Broadcasting live from two separate beds, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And it's me. It's not Garrett. He's, it's me. It's Ricardo. Hello. Garrett's not here today. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett's not here today, but you have us two fine gentlemen to walk you through a whole bunch of news. and It's going to get pretty wacky. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going without a safety net here. <laughs> we're we're going to see what happens. And before we get into our main segment, which is the first two episodes of WandaVision, we're going we're gonna to jump into some news, like usual. What's, what's up first? Well, first, we are, we're going back to what we started talking about last week, and we're going to touch again on Ray Fisher as he continues to uh, battle against DC. Which more power to him. I'm I'm behind him all the way. Even though I do like some of the DC movies, it doesn't excuse the terrible things that Ray Fisher has accused him of doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole point of that this is still continuing is that he's not being, you know, respected. He's not being taken seriously as somebody who, at the hands of what should be one of the biggest, like, franchises out there right now, like he he's standing strong. He's not backing down when just last week, you know, we were told or he was told that like the investigation's over, give it up. Like it doesn't matter anymore, but he he's not he's not backing down here and he released a very lengthy and well-written statement. Yeah, uh, Garrett's not here to express his opinion, but I agree with him wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, Ray Fisher has really maintained his professionalism throughout this whole thing despite like going toe to toe with this big company. He's still, you know, comes at it from a place of respect like his like his statement like you said that he put out is it's still very professional yeah uh we're gonna link that uh statement on our social media so if you want to read the full thing we're not going to read the whole thing here because it is like we said quite long but it is very well written and it definitely does show what you know what he's thinking and feeling right now in the midst of all this so we'll we'll link that in our social media in some lighter comic book news we got some we got some Marvel stuff coming up. Yeah, we you know, some it's a bit of a polarizing property at this point, but uh news that Deadpool 3 will be officially in the MCU and that it will be rated R. That news has finally come out. I mean, you know, after the ending of Deadpool 2, we've got like time travel, dimension jumping, whatever you want to call it. So, we I feel like I saw this coming and I'm I'm glad they're finally pulling the trigger since I like Deadpool. I don't know. Do you like Deadpool, Ricardo? Yeah, I enjoyed the first two movies. I've read a, a Deadpool comic here and there. Yeah, I, I, he's funny. I think Ryan Reynolds does a good job. I know that role is, like, meant for him. Like, in the comics, they describe him as a Ryan Reynolds type. But <laughs> I think the second one was better than the first one. So if they keep... If it's an exponential rise in quality here, and they're going to have a lot of fun stuff to play with in the MCU now, so I'm sure it'll be a good time. I'm sure they're going to, like, have a play on the time travel they did in Endgame a lot, where he's going to be, like, showing up in those flashbacks. He's going to jump off the cliff instead of Black Widow. Oh, ha ha. <laughs> but, uh, you know, having it is th- this is the first R-rated MCU movie, correct? Yeah, um, that's pretty exciting. I think dead, the first Deadpool movie was the it was the one that broke the first R-rated like Marvel movie in general. Even though it wasn't in the MCU, it was the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. 
that cannot possibly be true. Is that real? I don't know if it is anymore, but when it came out, it was the number one most like high-grossing R-rated movie of all time. That's cr- I mean, it makes sense. That movie was hyped up so much. It was like that whole like Valentine's Day release thing. I saw it on opening day, on Valentine's Day, with my buddy. And it was a packed theater. I was sitting next to two full families of like five generations <laughs> each. Like infants to grandparents just sitting all together. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. They're going to have fun. They're doing it's it's the weird time for the MCU right now. We got multiverses, we got TV shows. It's it's time to experiment and there's no bigger experiment than like putting in the most fourth wall breaking psycho that they have their hands on. Well, speaking of the MCU, there there's more there's more Marvel stuff. Yeah. Chris Evans has been tapped to return as Captain America in the MCU, which what the hell? Unless they're going to... I feel like that might sully that great ending for him and the transition over to uh, Anthony Mackie as the new captain. If they're going to try... Unless it's like all flashback, which... Well, it's not like he's dead. He's just old. What, do you you think they're going to make a geriatric Captain America show or something? Like Cap in the nursing home? Well, I don't know if they're going to give him... A full show, but like have him pop up every so often in the MCU. Just it's old Chris Evans. Oh, what if that's like the new Stan Lee thing? Like old Cap gets a cameo <laughs> now instead. Is that disrespectful? Has it been enough time? Oh my God! What? What if that's what they do? Old Captain America with Stan Lee the whole time. He ages into Stan Lee. Which that's like a fun theory that people were throwing around when Endgame came out, which I think is very funny, and. Enough time has gone, I think, that they can start using that idea. They already kind of touched on that uh, he was a watcher, right? Or he was an informant for the watchers. Yeah, that was always my favorite Stanley fan theory. And they don't they kind of confirm that in... Uh, Guardians 2. Guardians 2, that's right. And he's like, I got more stories for you. I'm Stan Lee. I don't know. They could just transition that role to Cap. If they're not going to make it, like, legitimately him. I don't know. This is all speculation. We don't know what Chris Evans is returning as Cap to do, but... It's not even officially confirmed. It's more just, like, kind of rumors. Like, maybe they're talking about it. There's nothing, like, official official. Well, I mean, I guess it would make sense, then, if it's just, like, in general, possibly one day Chris Evans is going to show his face in the MCU again. Whether that's, like shooting a goofy after credit scene or, like, just doing voice work for another animated show. Maybe he shows up in... I mean, no doubt he's going to be in, like, Multiverse of Madness. They're doing time travel dimension stuff. I only want him back if he's going to be old. I want old, senile Captain America that doesn't know what's happening or where he is. I think that's definitely funnier to have just, like, old man, like, super slow, crotchety Captain America. But God only knows if they'll do that. In our final bit of Marvel news, we're going over to the, the Disney Plus series for Moon Knight. Yeah, this show just keeps getting more interesting as as bits and pieces are revealed, because now we know that Ethan Hawke has been cast as the villain in Moon Knight, correct? Correct. He's going to be fighting Oscar Isaac. Still unconfirmed as to what exactly Ethan Hawke's role is, but you know, I like those two actors. I think they're going to work great together. Yeah, I mean, it's 
definitely some high, like some big casting here for a show that uh, I think last week Diego was speculating that it was originally maybe going to be part of the Netflix uh, Marvel hero team up. And now that it's, you know, all Disney plusified, we're getting some major, major hitters in there. Still no word really as to what the show's like about. Or the tone, or where, like, it stands with the, like, Daredevil, or Cap, or which side of that they're going to go with, but... Well, it's another vigilante show, so I assume it's going to be very similar to Daredevil. And that's why maybe that is how they're going to slip in Charlie Cox and the gang back into the MCU, like, officially. You know, put Moon Knight in Spider-Man 3. Everyone's in Spider-Man 3. Honestly, he might, he might be. I've seen... I've heard some wild stuff that it's just that movie is going to be insane, but maybe one of the most fun, like just messes that we can get out of the MCU right now. How much do you know about Moon Knight as a character again? Re- really not much. I, I know like the, you know, the memes about it. I know that he's like mentally unwell, kind of like a Deadpool, but a little more. Uh, not as not as fun. Yeah, it's not as fun, but it's still kind of funny. I know he has a contentious relationship with uh, the Punisher in some of the comics, which again brings up the idea that maybe him and John Bernthal could have a fun time on screen together, just like two gravelly voices talking to each other, real angry like. It it could be fun. One of my favorite little Moon Knight tidbits is like the reason he even wears like white to begin with. Like, he's, I think in a comic, he's called out by some cops. Like, he's not really stealthy, you know, hanging around in the shadows wearing all white. And his response is, I know, I want them to see me coming. Oh, oh my God. That's, that's great. See, that's like, it's like Deadpool meets Batman. Where it's like, I want them to be scared and I want them to be hurt. But I'm also kind of like screwing around a little bit as I'm terrorizing these bad guys. I don't know. I think it's going to be great. I think, especially... You know, I think Ethan Hawke is is a talent, and I don't really know any specific Moon Knight villains, so whatever they do with him, it's going to be very fresh to me, at least. Uh, I, I don't know a release date off the top of my head, but you can bet I'll be there when it comes out. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, especially if it's going to be part of the new MCU series list, or if it's going to actually bring in those Netflix guys. Either way, it's going to be kick-ass. Speaking of new releases, you want to jump over to Netflix? Yeah, we have word that in 2021, Netflix will release a new Netflix original movie every single week. Damn. Good for them, I guess. I guess good for them, but there has to be some science chart out there that's like ratio to Netflix originals to good Netflix originals. And it it feels probably less impressive when like less than half of the movies are going to be good. That being said, I've been very pleasantly surprised by some Netflix originals, but it feels like a very tall order. Right, I'm looking at a, I'm pulling up a quick, like, kind of list of what we got. You want me to run through these Netflix movies real quick? All 70? Jesus, no, just give me some things that sound interesting. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, that's a Zendaya black and white movie filmed during Corona, so it's literally just two people in a room. Weird, weird. Another Christmas movie, A Castle for Christmas. Okay, is there anybody famous in that, or is it just, like, nonsense? Is there going to be Christmas Chronicles 3? Is Garrett going to be over the moon? 
<laughs> Wait, do you not know about the whole Netflix royal Christmas whatever universe? What are you even talking about? No, I don't know what that is. Vanessa Hudgens is in like a bunch of different like Netflix Christmas movies that have weird connections to other Netflix Christmas movies. How dare Netflix think that they can make a Christmas universe? What the hell? It's redonkulous. Unless it's all Klaus sequels, then I cannot get behind that. Vanessa Hudgens plays three different characters. Why? Wait, in the same movie or in all these universes? Or these worlds in the universe? In the same, in the same movie. Uh... She plays a, a regular person, a princess from a made-up country... And the cousin to that princess from the made-up country. And they all look identical for some reason. That is stupid. <laughs> I think that sounds dumb, dude. Come on. that's ins- Unless we're going to watch all of them on a binge session of torture. I-, I could never, ever see myself watching that. You heard it here first, folks. This December, get ready for the Princess Switch movie marathon. Uh, <laughs> no. No! Oh, Jesus. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. That's coming to Netflix. I don't know what that is, but... Oh, it's a Zack Snyder zombie movie. Sure, I'll take it. That sounds interesting. And I think he might be better when he's not doing adaptions. This seems to be like an original thing he's doing. And visually, as a director, I think his visuals are stunning. So, I'm gonna check this out. Yeah, I I agree. I I really don't have anything against Zack Snyder... Like, we joke about the Snyder Cut a lot, but that's really dogging on the insane people that, like, carved hashtag release the Snyder Cut into their faces or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's he himself has said a couple things I don't particularly agree with, but as a dude, I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. You know about Don't Look Up, the new Leo DiCaprocorn movie? He's doing a Netflix original? Yeah. That's weird. I actually do know a little bit about the plot to this one. What is it? Uh, he plays like this scientist and like he sees, oh, there's an asteroid coming straight for the Earth. I got to tell people and nobody believes him. Oh, and he turns into like like one of those guys on the street corner with a sandwich board that says the end is near. Something like that. I don't have all the details, but I think he's grown out like his beard for this. You know, Leo, it's, just, it's a big environmental thing from what it looks like. Oh, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. The one I'm particularly excited about is the uh, all-black Idris Elba western, The Harder They Fall. Oh, yeah, okay, I've seen a little bit about that. What What's the rundown on that? Hold on, let me... It's uh, partly based on a true story, because it's based on, like, an actual person that existed. Oh. It's about Nat Love. Uh, a quick, just, thing from the Wikipedia. Nat Love reassembles his former gang to seek revenge against the man who murdered his parents. Yeah, sure. sounds, sounds like a classic western, and I mean... Idris Elba is a goddamn talent. Like, he, I, I enjoy his work a lot. Yeah, this cast is stacked, man. We got, like we said, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield, Regina King. You, you've touched, like, this one, that Leo one, there's a couple on this list that seem a little above a Netflix original, but I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're really shelling out the big bucks this year to get people on their, on their good stuff. We also have uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut for the musical Tick, Tick, Boom. Is it about a bomb? It's, I think it's about (laughs) poetry? Hold on, give me a second. Well, I mean, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda's just very talented in general. An aspiring theater composer endures a midlife crisis as he approaches 30 and does not feel close to his dream. 
Sounds like Soul. Starring Andrew Garfield. Oh, no kidding. I like Andrew Garfield. You know who else is in this movie? Who? Vanessa Hudgens, baby. What? <laughs> what? Where's Adam Sandler in the cast list? It's just all of them. Oh, it's it's confirmed. It's going to be a Princess Switch 3. Oh, my God. All right. Get get out of here. Get out of these garbage movies. Okay. You want to? We got to move on. Fine. We'll move on. Uh, some of those did sound very interesting, though. Uh, all right. More Netflix news, actually. We're not out of the woods yet. It seems that Kevin Hart has gotten the Adam Sandler deal at Netflix. It, he might have a residency of movies coming in. But you know what? That's probably where they belong. <laughs> I mean, the kinds of movies that Kevin Hart was making prior to this deal seemed, you know, akin to a later career Sandler of just, like, big comedies with wacky, you know, he did it with The Rock, he did it with Batista. Am I thinking of the right movie? I might I might not be. Are you thinking of Stuber? I might be, that's with Kumail, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking of that. He did it with The Rock. He did it with The Rock again. He did it with The Rock a third time. Did he really? <laughs> it's usually The Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's got a very specific kind of character he plays. I personally don't find him all that funny, and I think he's got he's kind of a little full of himself. That's just me. And, you know, we'll see if he can pull off, like, a, an Uncut Gems-style drama sometime down the pike on his career. That he can, like, turn it around like Sandler did, but... Watch, all his Netflix originals are gonna be, like, hardcore dramas. <laughs> all di- all directed by the Safty brothers, no exception. I don't know, we'll see. I'm sure it's going to be a ton of like everything that Adam Sandler was making for Netflix just in a different flavor of weird comedy. Maybe they'll cross over. Maybe there'll be a Kevin Hart and Adam Sandler Netflix original. Oh lord. God, just the death of streaming. Who knows? Who knows? But I like like we said, we're not huge fans if he can maybe pull through with his Netflix stuff, maybe it'll change our minds. What else we get? Uh, for Amazon Studios, we have Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem starring in uh, an Aaron Sorkin-directed Lucille Ball movie, which is just kind of an insane thing to say, because that sounds very interesting. I'm honestly kind of hyped. Yeah? You're all about this one? Yeah, man. Lucille Ball is a goddamn legend. Aaron Sorkin knows how to make a movie. His dialogue, especially, is just impeccable. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like the idea of a Lucille Ball, I love Lucy, like, she's so funny, it's it's insane. And um, I love Javier Bardem in any role, so I think having him presumably as Ricky Ricardo? Yeah, which I think is a little weird, because he's like a big, kind of imposing <laughs> man. <laughs> That's very true. Javier Bardem is not, uh, he's not small. <laughs> I can't imagine him saying, Lucy, you've got some splaining to do. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for a trailer because you know they're going to put that in it. If That'll be the make or break of this whole movie is if Javier <laughs> Bardem can pull that off. In terms of details about this movie, it's apparently going to be not really like a Lucille Ball biopic, but more focused on the relationship between her and her husband, uh, Ricky Ricardo. Were they actually married? Yeah, they were married in real life for a bit. What? I am... I That's that's news to me. Goddamn, this movie's gonna be wild. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure, but I think they might have been one of the first interracial relationships on TV. That makes sense. That was so long ago. Damn. Well, 
I'm we're definitely going to keep an eye on this one. We'll we'll keep we'll keep you fans updated as as more comes out. You want to talk about some uh video games? Yeah, we've got some great video game news here. Uh starting off with uh we we talked about this when it was announced uh earlier this year or last year, excuse me. Uh the Scott Pilgrim versus the World the game has been released and I could not be more excited for it. It's it's so goddamn good. Oh, Jesus. Scott Pilgrim back from the dead. You want to give a quick rundown for anyone that doesn't know the history behind this particular release? Yeah, I think we we touched on it a little bit back when it we might have even talked about this like way earlier in the show cuz this game is incredible, but it was released right around the same time. I think it was released right before the movie came out. But both the game and the movie came out before the book series had finished. So Brian Lee O'Malley, the author of the books, kind of gave them both the game studio and the movie studio. He gave them kind of just like do what you think would be narratively satisfying. And we kind of got a little different flavors of everything that Scott Pilgrim could have ended up like. And this version of the story itself is fantastic. The music of this game, uh, I want to say their name right, Anna Monaguchi, I think is the, the group that made the music. Absolutely incredible. And it's back. It, it was it was taken off the PlayStation Store, the only place it was available digitally on the PlayStation Store. They took it off for purchase. So if you hadn't bought it, there was no way to get it again. And they've remastered it, re-released it, and I could not be more happy. I have never played this game, but you know I'm really excited to dive into it. Scott Pilgrim, one of my favorite Edgar Wright movies. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's... Like I said, it's still very original feeling since they there's so much artistic license to in creating a game like this where there's not really an ending to the story that you're basing it on. And, you know, you punch bad guys and they turn into change. That's how you get points. It's great. There's so many awesome action sequences. A lot of stuff that you don't really get from the movie since they draw a lot more from the comics as well. And... We're gonna play this together, my friend. Me, you, and Garrett. We're gonna we're gonna hop on there and and kick some ass. Some classic arcade brawler action. Yeah, like Street Fighter style, not Street Fighter, like Streets of Rage style. Man, it's 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 so good. And next on the video game news, we're we got we got a little surprise this last week. We have been given the gift of lucasfilm games the new uh, yeah the new publisher that is going to be taking over all of the lucasfilm ips in creating video games going forward and that means the license is no longer with ea right yes uh, ea electronic arts has had exclusive rights to the star wars ip for video games for a long time I, i don't remember the actual how many years they've had it but they've had it for a long time they've put out some really good stuff like uh jedi fallen order and they really turned battlefront 2 around i mean that's more on dice's end but uh they've been criticized a lot for their handling of star wars as a property in video games because they they would often kind of muddy it down with loot boxes and you know incomplete games like we saw a lot with battlefront and battlefront 2 but now it's it they're it's spreading the wealth. There's going to be new games from different studios, different styles. It's 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 going to have a lot more variety than 
we're used to since we've been with EA for so long. And one of the first bits of news actually was of a Star Wars game. It's being developed by Ubisoft, I believe. And it's going to be a third-person, open-world Star Wars game. And that's all the information we got. All you had to say. Right? Dude, everyone's like really hyped if it's just like a star wars rpg where you can just choose what you want to be like you know really make it open-ended do you want to be a jedi nah i want to be a a swashbuckling you know smuggler like han solo or i want to be a starfighter pilot a sith a sith yeah like have it be more knights of the old republic oriented and have it like you can really choose what path you want to go down i think that could be insane it could be so successful i want to be an ewok yeah screw it make it super specific things like an ewok i want to be i want to be a sith ewok i would i want to be a jar jar binks sith lord like it was supposed to be and just wreak havoc through the galaxy as a gungan <laughs> it'd be great uh, speaking of lucasfilm it doesn't end there there's more Lucasfilm game news. This one's very interesting because there's a little bit of a a little bit of a twist on it per se. I'm um, we've got word of an Indiana Jones game in development, which my god, it's been a long time. It's it's actually been I think over 10 years since a non-Lego Indiana Jones game has come out. But Seamus have already played Uncharted. Oh, that's the thing. How are they going to make it distinct from Uncharted and the resurgence of the Tomb Raider? Are they going to focus more on the, like, archaeology side of things? Are they going to do it more... Could you imagine if this game came I, out not like... and it's just like, oh, I found this ancient vase. <laughs> I meant more of, like, taking the Uncharted collectible thing to another level where there's more, like, detective work or something involved with finding it. But they could... Nah, that's the whole game. You do actual <laughs> real-time archaeology. It's called Dr. Jones. <laughs> it's not even called Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, God. I'd play the hell out of that either way, man. That sounds fun. Just have him mumbling to himself about Nazis, like, oh, this is better than pushing that guy into a plane propeller, just dusting off a statue with a paintbrush. It's several hours of actual archaeology stuff, but then at the halfway <laughs> point, the artifact you pick up is like this ancient magical thing, and the game just becomes completely different. <laughs> yeah, it's like archaeology simulator till three quarters of the way in, and then Nazis show up and try to kill you for something, and you gotta go into it. Oh, God. I mean, regardless of what it is, I'm gonna be excited. God knows if they're gonna do it like it's gonna be a version of Indiana Jones, or if they're gonna try to coerce old Harrison out of his cave to do some voice work, but I could not imagine he would be bothered. I hope they do, because if they did get Harrison Ford to come into a voice recording booth, it's going to be the most flat, just monotone performance in a video game. <laughs> oh, God. There's a there's a, a setting on the settings menu that you can flip to Harrison Ford's voice or one with emotion and conviction, and you decide how you <laughs> want to play. Any word on who's uh, putting this out? Well, that's the thing. That's the twist of the knife here. Uh, I believe it's a Bethesda 
Bethesda-led game, which, as we know, Microsoft has uh, recently bought Bethesda as a partner to make video games. They're the developers of uh, the Elder Scrolls series and the Fallout games. They did, more recently, they did uh, Doom Eternal and the Wolfenstein games, which, interestingly, are all first-person properties, but they're taking the helm on this one, which is... A little scary, as me, you, and Garrett are all PlayStation guys. If this turns out to be an Xbox exclusive, it could maybe be an answer to, like, uh... Was Jedi Fallen Order exclusive to PlayStation? I don't think so, right? No, I don't think so either. Well, damn, maybe this will just be, like, the first the first strike in this uh, Lucasfilm Games exclusivity thing here. If it's, if it's Xbox only, they'll really boost up the new xbox and a lot of what they're going for but i'm praying that it's uh cross play so we can all we can all enjoy it i'm really curious as to what the story is going to be is it going to be like after crystal skull is it going to be canon at all is it more like a self-contained thing well i'm not even sure if the older games are considered in any form of canon i think the last one was called the staff of kings and i never finished it it was like on the psp and ps two maybe it might have been the psp and the nintendo ds i think maybe the wii too it was a weird game i think people liked it but it was like yeah just like a random prime indie adventure where he's not like old yet or anything but he's not really with marion or you know anything like that so i don't know it could be you know what they gotta do right Labouf. i was gonna say they gotta bring in shia <laughs> Woo! that's the real rub it's like it's like you, the intro you play is Indiana Jones, and then after the tutorial, Mutt Williams puts on the hat and you play as him for the rest of the game in a leather jacket. Uh, people would be so mad. If it, they are going to make a lot of fun jokes about Crystal Skull, I'm totally there for it because I, I, I like that movie. I mean, I know it's like insane and kind of crappy, but I still like it. Come on. I think that's all we've got for news today. Yeah, that covers us on news, and now we get to ease on into our main segment, WandaVision. Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Wanda and Vision, aren't we a five pair? This is our home now. I want us to fit in. Oh, this is gonna be a gas! Where did you two move from? How long have you been married, and why don't you have children This week... We are talking about episode one and episode two of the new Disney Plus, I was about to say Netflix original because we've been talking about Netflix so much, the new Disney Plus original WandaVision. This is, this is big. This is the first Marvel we've gotten since, uh... Last year. Yeah. What was it? Spider-Man 2? Yeah. I think, yeah, Far From Home, I think, was the last, like, MCU thing that came out. Wow. That's time doesn't fly because god damn i've been waiting for some good marvel you know uh black widow has been dragged along the release schedule for so long i barely care anymore but this is like i knew they were marketing it on this is gonna be weird and that's all i wanted and that's you know we're getting that so far yeah i'm I'm with you i think weirdly enough this like year-long break is probably the best thing that could happen for marvel because this happened, like, r- right after Endgame, so everyone was, like, coming down off the hype. And having, like, a another, like, Marvel thing come immediately after that, I think it would have really kind of saturated people on, like, Marvel and stuff. But this year-long break, I think people 
are really hyped up to jump back into the MCU. Yeah, and that's like how mega franchises like Marvel and Star Wars should be. That's how they should be operating regularly. We've we've talked at length about um is it Bob Iger's strategy of like if it makes money, make it a million times and release it all at once. And we've kind of saw that with Star Wars in the in the height of the sequel trilogy, where they were releasing spin-off movies and canon movies like in the same year, and really trying to like make as much as possible. We saw Spider-Man: Far From Home get released like a couple months after Endgame, right? I mean, it was a lot. So you're you're not wrong when you say this is a nice cool down. We're all like hungry for it again. We know it's gonna be weird, and you know. I, for one, as, like, somebody who was a little skeptical of how these shows were going to go when they were first announced, like, years ago, or a year ago, I think this is a great jumping-off point. I think it's super cool and interesting the way they've been doing it in these first two episodes, and I'm a little, you know, I like the weekly release. I'm a little sad I can't binge this, you know? It seems like so much fun. Yeah, from from the tone of these two, it definitely feels like this was originally meant to be, like a like, a binging show. Yeah, I think I think you're not wrong on that. They really do give little uh, little teases, not not like famous after credit scene teases, which I was a little sad to see not in the credits. But I assume that's going to be a season finale deal. Um, but they're 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 sprinkling in these questions that are not being answered that I want answered right away. Like it's weird stuff that I I might not care about as much next week i'm sure i'll fall right back into it when the new episode comes out but i don't know i think you're right that it feels like they looked at the mandalorian and they said this was so successful we stretched it out over a long period of time we got more subscribers because people couldn't binge it all at once right away and they're they're probably going to do that for everything now it's weird we've done a whole like 180 from we've just gone back to regular weekly broadcast television yeah, yeah. wasn't the original appeal of, like, when for digital Netflix first came out, it was like, don't have to wait. You don't, have, you don't even have to wait the few days for the mail to come. You can just watch it all at once. And everyone was like, yes, the future. Now it's just like, like you said, right back to broadcast scheduling. Every Friday, same time, same place. Time really is cyclical. And I don't want to get into spoilers too much, but that seems to be maybe a little bit of a theme of WandaVision. With all this, you want to jump into episode one? I mean, yeah, let's just, I think we should just full spoilers. I enjoyed it. I think it's very interesting. You know, there's not much else to say besides like getting into the weird details of it. So here we go. Spoilers. All right. Episode one. We got... Uh, the big I Love Lucy parody episode. Yeah, it was like I Love Lucy plus Dick Van Dyke show, which is like, you know, that's that's both comedy gold. It's all black and white. It's in like a square aspect ratio, which I appreciated. Yeah, that, that was a nice touch. Even down to the writing, it's got the same corny like 1950s jokes about like my husband and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. The literally it's the first episode is Vision's new boss coming to dinner and it's like a big deal, which like that doesn't matter after like 1960. Like you don't invite your boss and wife over for dinner, right? I've never invited my McDonald's manager (laughs) to to my home. (laughs) I can't speak on that. Yeah, that's that's not really a thing anymore, but. Is so recognizable as that old, like, damn, we need to create a problem this week, but we can't make it, like, a real problem, because this is supposed to be, like, a fun family show, so... Yeah, they 
nail down the sitcom stuff and even correct me if i'm wrong isn't the boss's wife the mom from that 70s show yeah that's that's kitty uh kitty from that 70s show whose name gosh darn it i can't remember she's in everything she's been in so many sitcoms and obviously she felt right at home in there because that's like her what she's famous for Deborah Joe Rupp is her name, and she is just the best. And I hope to... I don't want to jump too far ahead here in what happens, but uh, I hope to see more of her going forward, you know? I, w- I don't want her involvement to just be the first two episodes, but we're still in a little bit of suspense on how this show is going to continue into season... Th- or uh, into episode three, rather. Yeah, don't... Go make episode one just real quick where it's all the, you know, the hokey jokes and stuff. But then, you know, it, it gets uh, weird. It gets uh, unpleasant at the dinner table with choking and ominous like angles. Yeah, that got super creepy. Yeah, like we, we've been talking about like it is very much modeled after those classic silly sitcoms from like the mid 50s but in that moment at the at the dinner table vision's boss starts choking and uh mrs hart excuse me mrs hart is like repeating stop it like freaking out but with like a big weird crying smile on her face and i was i was watching that just like is it already about to like crack this weird universe that they're stuck in or like is it pleasantville rules here like there's a lot of pleasantville stuff in this that's what I'm really liking and really I'm excited to see it develop more. Just like this undercurrent of just like odd unpleasantness. Like you always feel like something's just a little bit off. And my God, it, it really does feel off. Just like they've got a, yeah, they've got a really good uh, for the children <laughs> thing going. Like where they're all safe for the children at the same time. But correct me if I'm wrong. Have there been any children on screen yet? Like even at that magic show for the children, were there children? No, I don't. I don't think there were. Creepy. It's <laughs> all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. The first episode was really good to set up. Like part of all this creepy stuff is that they can't remember how they got there, or when they got married, or why they're there at all. And it's kind of. It feels less of like. It feels mostly like they're trapped somewhere and somebody's holding them there we keep getting this creepy message on radios that's like who is holding you there wando where are you what does the voice say again what is it that's episode two right oh i thought that that also happened in episode one a a little less so it was very it was more subtle in the first one i think but they these two might as well just be one long episode we'll we'll jump around that's true It, it does very much feel like a two-part intro even though they literally <laughs> we didn't even touch on the the weird theme songs that they're having which i love that they keep doing that i love the theme songs <laughs> yeah they're, they're yeah they're, they're keeping it like uh i dream of genie and uh the first one was like i love lucy i think right yeah and then the the second was like an animated bewitched style yeah oh yeah bewitched not i dream of genie yeah t- definitely and yeah, same thing they're magical women married to dudes in the suburbs <laughs> yeah what a weird thing that there was two of those huh now there's three <laughs> well i guess there's three they're all magic in this one yeah <laughs> you said about them uh like not knowing why they're there or like how long they've been there a little thing that i like just like when vision goes to work he doesn't even know what his job really is Oh, yeah, he's, like, the fastest 
a mathematician in this old school office and he's like what do we actually do like what like he's like what do we do and he's like we compute functions and he's like compute functions to do what he's like you know to up production what do we produce here and he's just like i don't know it's it's creepy it's great i i, I i'm i'm gonna be interested to see how they evolve those television tropes at like his office and her at home as they continue forward in time and to add on to the weirdness at the end of uh, every episode we get up the end credits and we get a pullback as the aspect ratio changes and we see they're being analyzed by some kind of weird like government agency yeah it's it's really all up in the air of what anything is happening like i don't think we get any new information from spider-man far from home about like post endgame stuff so this is all uncharted territory. We know that these shows are going to deal with new organizations, like from the Loki trailer, and we know that there's going to be weird multiverse stuff, but it's so confusing still, even though we know it's supposed to be. Oh, also, before I forget, hearkening back to they, they're doing these great uh, intros with like theme songs and stuff, they're also slipping in fake commercials, which I think is fantastic. The Stark Toaster hilarious come on i was just about to bring that up hilarious but it also has like most of the shows it's a weird kind of off-putting edge to it like what's the tagline you forget the past this is your future now something like that yeah something like that for sure which i think definitely ties into the theming of this show because this is very obviously like this world of wanda's creation that she can't seem to like move past like she's clearly grieving yeah, like, and I had to kind of remind myself about that, like, Vision is dead. Like, he didn't come back in Endgame. He died in Infinity War, not from a snap, and he was killed, right? Am I misremembering that? No, I think you're right. He's straight up dead. And, like, yeah, how this is even happening, if this is her, like, manifesting him back into reality through this weird universe, or... You know, this is, like, literally her grieving process, and, like, she's gonna snap out of it eventually and still not have vision with her, but it's weird. And I think that even ties into the whole old-school sitcom stuff where, like, it all feeds into, like, she's living in the past and she can't really move forward with her life. Oh, but as we see as a little bit of the second episode peeking in here that she is moving forward in time, albeit very slowly. Yeah, we get a little bit of an an update. We get color. Yeah, the color is added uh she is pregnant suddenly like very pregnant very suddenly yeah like she turns around and in the next shot just full-on like baby bump yeah for real we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here there's a great communism joke in the second episode (laughs) that made me laugh out loud where he accuses his buddy of being a communist and i thought vision was about to have this man killed and i laughed really hard but then everybody gets in on it i was surprised about how funny Paul Bettany is in this. Right? He's so funny. He's kind of robotic. Like, that's his whole thing as Vision in the other movies, but he's legitimately killing it in these episodes. Yeah, man. His magic act, where he's, like, his version of drunk, hysterical. Yeah, the gum getting stuck in his stomach turns him drunk. It's a very weird thing to go about it, but I feel like wasn't that that's like an old i love lucy thing it's like uh oh someone's getting accidentally wasted right now and it has to act normal or is that just that one very famous episode of i love lucy that i'm thinking of i think this was like a sitcom thing it happens you know it's comedy yeah sure it, and it, and it's goddamn funny it's very good um we didn't t- 
touch on one of the most interesting and mysterious bits of this is the neighbor played by the absolutely amazing Catherine Hahn. Agnes? Is that her name? There we go. That's what I was, I was trying to remember her name. She is... She knows something, man. She knows something that she's not telling. And I don't trust her ass, even though she's great so far. She's making a lot of my husband jokes that that, that, that were getting me. And notice, we never see her husband. He doesn't show up once. That's what I'm saying. She was alone at that picnic. She was sitting with Kitty from that 70s show. Her husband was not there. And there were no kids, I think. I might have to go rewatch that part and see if there are kids running around in the background, but I think it was just all adults sitting in a park. Going back to the commercials for a second, we didn't talk about, there's two, there's the Stark Toaster, and then there's the Strucker uh, wristwatch. Oh yes, the Hydra brand watch, which, very strange, another, and I'm just only realizing it now because I'm a big dum-dum, another very time-oriented product for these commercials yeah and uh that's strucker as in baron von strucker the nazi hydra scientist they experimented on them in uh ultron yeah he, he got stuck in the computer there and it's a different guy there's a lot of nazis it's hard to keep track oh wait there's a different nazi scientist guy in ultron yeah he was right at the beginning like it, it wasn't super important he had like a monocle and stuff you're thinking of anton uh, zola oh I'm tripping. My bad. Well, I st- I still got the reference enough to be like, oh, they Hydra. I get it. Sure, Zola. Yeah, I like that guy. But you know, it's it's another time reminder. It's another little Easter egg going forward. I hope they keep it up. I mean, it seems like they're gonna have at least one an episode with a theme song, and that's some of the best stuff in there to like keep us, you know, engaged in how fast they're moving forward as it seems it's probably going to be every episode or two there's going to be some kind of time jump and they're going to you know keep it updated with that the helicopter we didn't mention that one of the the little bits of color that we see oh yeah 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 yeah. we get a little pleasantville action like we said there's like a small cut on someone's hand that is red with blood or the there's a red helicopter that wanda finds and i'm not really sure what it's supposed to mean yet considering we did get kind of like a full color reveal at the end of the second episode. But, it, I, you know, I think it's just a signal like something is wrong. Like something is very wrong with the world they're in. With the helicopter, I remember there was, they heard like a crash beforehand and they had to, like she went to go and like investigate it and she found this little toy helicopter. And to, to me, I think that's definitely like some sort of government agency trying to get into her and, like bubble is, I think is what I'm just going to call it. And if anything, because even with the radio stuff, clearly someone is trying to get to her. Yeah, I think it's some Inception stuff, like you said. Like there's there's a break in, but like a but- or uh, Thomas Crown affair style, like mind break in. Yeah, the radio stuff is is way more prominent in that second episode, like we said. And the quote is something like, "Who is keeping you there?" Like, who is holding you there where you are? And, I don't know, that's that's pretty freaky. Like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, no, everybody else in this town is also hearing this signal. Like, this happens in front of another character. And the other character squeezes a glass so hard it shatters and cuts her. And then she does not bring it up. It's very weird. This is definitely based on, like, House of M, which is a story I haven't read. But from what I know, it's like, it's very similar to this. Like, Wanda has built her own kind of universe, and she's kind of going a, a little cuckoo. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if they're going to try to tie it into, you know, any kind of Infinity Stone magic or 
if it's going to be strictly like she is so like traumatized by having to kill her husband and then watch him get resurrected to be murdered in front of her, if that is just like destroyed her mind. But I don't know. Those radio signals make it seem like she has been captured and is being experimented on kind of like how she was originally. Wasn't she like... Her and her brother were kept by... Hydra, Baron von Strucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Plus her her friend Geraldine, a.k.a. Uh, Monica Rambeau, the little girl from Captain Marvel. Oh, what? Is that the clipboard friend? Yeah. What? I didn't even recognize her. Holy crap. Like, I was doing a little reading on like some of the Easter eggs and stuff, and if, if this is correct, like she shows up around the same time that a helicopter does so maybe you know maybe she was on that helicopter trying to on the mission to try to get Wanda out of her own head but anyone that goes into her bubbles sort of gets kind of assimilated into her weird sitcom world oh yeah and she's that's very interesting because she was also like one of the only other people at that weird meeting that was like nice to her so maybe that is maybe you're right like they're trying to infiltrate to get her out of her own mind but like you said they're getting like turned into pieces of this greater world that's interesting what maybe if if we see more like cameos from old older more obscure uh mcu characters then we'll know that maybe it's something along those lines yeah if i'm remembering correctly i think randall park and kat denning are supposed to make the cameos in this no kidding this is a weird show man i'm loving this so far just even that weird little bit right there kat Den like the 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 friend in thor right that's who i'm thinking of yeah that's wild all right, hey, we'll see We'll see where it goes. Maybe it'll get... Yeah, damn. Hell yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it off. They've they've hooked us, I, I think it's safe to say. I know it's going to lead right into Multiverse of Madness, is what I've heard. I know the end of this show is the exact start of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to be kick-ass. This is, this is the start of a new Marvel era of confusion and cool ideas, so... I'm 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 into it. Yeah, this was a cool tease for what's to come. I'm I'm excited. Bring it on. Uh, loosely related to the show, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up a little bit. Uh, this show, I think, very clearly takes a lot from Tom King's like 12 issue Vision miniseries, which I cannot recommend enough. That thing is fantastic. Is this is this going to be your rec center early rec center? Well, no, I just think it, people. I think people should know that it takes a little bit from that miniseries because it is. It has the same kind of tone where it's like a nice, like kind of normal outward appearance, but there's always this undercurrent of dread throughout the whole thing. The Vision miniseries, the the conceit is, you know, Vision. He's he's feeling kind of detached from humanity. He wants to be normal. He wants to have a family. So he. <laughs> He takes the brainwave patterns of a dead Scarlet Witch and puts them into a new robot wife and he makes two robot kids and they, they try to live a normal life and boy does it not go down that way. That sounds really messed up and I like that a lot. That's very cool. Well yeah, maybe we'll see more of that. What if this is all Vision's thing and not Wanda's thing? Wouldn't that be the biggest twist? We'll see. We'll see how much they pull from this this run, so... Let us know if you start recognizing more stuff in the show from that from that run so we know. Next, we've got our pop culture reference. This week's pop culture reference, in theme with our main segment, WandaVision, is the multi-camera sitcom. This is a format of a situational comedy television show that uses three distinct cameras on set to shoot different angles 
uh, of the stage that they've set up. Usually this is done in front of a live studio audience, and these multi-cameras allow to shoot different uh, setups of the set without having to build a full four-wall uh, set that it's true to life. Yeah, without having to like move the camera and set up for like different shots. Yeah, and it maximizes the space that's being used when you need a full side of a stage to hold an audience or the rest of the uh, equipment and crew. Yeah, you've definitely seen these. If you've seen like like a like a Frasier or a Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, a Bing Bong Theory. Yeah, Friends, Seinfeld, all the big classic sitcoms are really multi-camera. Uh, until something like The Office kind of broke that with more of a documentary style or something like 30 Rock that has uh, its single camera. Yeah, and that's what most shows and sitcoms lean towards now is a single cam. Uh, a multi-cam show, they've mostly gone out of style. I think they pop up very rarely. And even then, they're probably like a buried on a streaming service that no one really watches. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a lost art as of now, but we see it uh, as a major reference point for things like WandaVision that are using old television tropes to create a world that, you know, maybe a little more advanced than something like I Love Lucy. I also think that's probably a big reason that I like I like this show as much as I do is that it it's intense love and focus of the details when it comes to sitcoms. And, you know, coming from someone who was essentially raised by television, like I know all the little ins and outs, like I pick up on the things. Yeah. And yeah, when you know what to look for, or even when you don't and you recognize it, you get that feeling of familiarity from the like golden age of television like that. You got a favorite uh, multicam sitcom? Uh... Well, it goes, it's with my favorite sitcom in general. Frasier is just like the pinnacle of comedy, even with multicam. Some people think it's a little lesser of a form because you can do a lot more uh, cinematic practices with single cam, but Frasier is just perfect, so that's my pick. What about you? I'm right there with you, man. Frasier is about the only multicam show that has a laugh track that i can actually watch all the way through you're not a friends guy huh i can't say that i have never really got into it i think frazier is more suited to the multicam format because the way they're structured every episode is kind of like a stage play there's not really a whole lot of differing locations yeah and that, that's i feel like a lot of the uh feelings that are invoked from any multicam is like it's a lot more theatrical of a performance that you are supposed to give because like i said it is usually also given in front of a live audience and i'm sorry just before just before we leave frazier entirely i just want to talk about another seattle-based franchise that is really near and dear to my heart the 50 shades of gray trilogy takes place God in, in seattle washington i think and this is the most natural way I can integrate it in, but I was really looking for the Elliott Bay Towers when I was watching the uh, the incredible Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, and uh, I don't think it's in there, but you bet your ass I was looking for Frasier references. You're an asshole. <laughs> hey, it's not our fault we lost the pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it kind of is, but whatever, whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to our rec center for today. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our rec amendations for the week. Do you like that? Do you like my Garrett impression? <laughs> it's like he never <laughs> left. Uh, all right. You know what? Uh, you know, I'm going to take the first one here. I'm going to take the initiative. Uh, I got a late Christmas present 
from my girlfriend yesterday, and I finally have my hands on a copy of Star Wars Squadrons, which is the newest video game. And, you know, now that we now that I think about it, the very last EA-based Star Wars game for now, and I've been having a blast with it. It's it's all first person, it's all dog fighting starships. It's more personal just in terms of I own a VR helmet and that's compatible with this game, so it really feels and looks like I'm sitting in an X-Wing, and it's incredible. It's just like, I've become an ace pilot in like two days. I'm downing dudes left and right. It's it's wild. Oh yeah, I can only imagine. The few times I've had that thing on when I've been with you, it's been wild. Trust me, man. Like, next time we hang out, you guys gotta try this. I think Garrett already has squadrons, I'm not sure if he's played it much, but we need to we need to pull together a McClunky squadron and go kick some Imperial ass, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be so much fun once once we do that. But Star Wars Squadrons, highly recommended. <laughs> that sounds so funny, just dominating the galaxy as the McClunky Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> McClunky three coming in hot. It's like what? I love it. It's gonna be the best. Oh, goodness. All right, Ricardo, what do you got for the rec center this week? Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with, with the theme. I'm also choosing a Vigi game. I have recently been deeply sucked into Outer Worlds, the Obsidian RPG. I personally am not like a huge RPG person. Like I've played a little bit of Fallout and a little bit of Skyrim, but I never got like fully, fully into it. Outer Worlds has eaten so much out of my days, dude. <laughs> Like I get sucked into that game. I love I love it so much. It's it's from the same like people that created the original Fallout. So if I would were to describe it in tone, it's like Fallout meets Firefly with uh, some injections of Futurama. You just described the perfect property, man. That sounds incredible. I I've, I've been wanting to play Outer Worlds for a long time, and I I was gonna wait until I got a PS5 because I've heard it's just. As well as being hilarious and a blast to play, it just looks wild because it's very, like, space western, lots of colors, lots of big set pieces. And, like you said, Obsidian is, like, they were, like you said, original Fallout, they did the Knights of the Old Republic games back in the day. They're, like, they were, like, the heart of what Fallout and Elder Scrolls were. And then they split ways with Bethesda a couple years ago and hasn't really been the same so to see them coming back hard with a space rpg that's just like doesn't skip a beat it's as funny as it is you know brutal that's that's all i need in my life ricardo yeah the writing is so good like all your dialogue options are hilarious you got like really cool interesting characters there's a a companion system where you get to pick up i think up to five companions that you get to switch out to see who joins you when you go out onto the different planets and stuff but yeah like you were saying it's it's beautiful to look at just like the vivid colors of the environments you're walking around in and you know the the combat is it's kind of your basic combat the focus is more on your interactions with the different people and what you're doing and also this game does not shy away from how anti-capitalist it is which I love that. That's fantastic. I I mean, like this anti-capitalist uh, theme. I guess it's present throughout the whole thing. Every character you talk to, it's like ingrained in their head where they have to keep repeating these empty like corporate slogans. It's like it's not the best choice. It's Spacer's choice. The only choice you need. Oh God, I think I think that 
is just so funny that that's like such a big major part of this in a in a universe that is infinite and is w- anything you want it to be they were like well the real universe is going to be colonized by like coca-cola so we got to make it like that that's great i i'm going to i'm going to pick that up for sure yeah it's the whole like the story of it is you know uh, corporations were tired of rules on earth so they're like you know what doesn't have any rules space what if we just all went to space <laughs> oh that's that's the horrific real life future that we are hurtling towards right now so they corporatized space they had a bunch of ships packed with like people in these frozen pods because it's like a really long journey to get all the way out to the outer rim but oh there was a problem one of the skip drives on the one of the ships malfunctioned and it got lost out in space and instead of like putting in any of the resources to go find these people the the big conglomerates figured you know it's cheaper if we just kind of let them stay out there and forget about it <laughs> the odds aren't in our favor or theirs so we're just gonna let it slide and you play as uh, one of the people on this lost ship. You get rescued by, you know, international intergalactic outlaw Phineas Wells, who brings you out of cryo sleep. Is it you're gonna help me take down the board? That sounds fantastic. I lo- I love that plot where it's uh, it's literally about t- dismantling the corporation of the universe. And it's I've seen some gameplay. It looks very much like uh the last Fallout that Obsidian worked on was Fallout New Vegas, and it feels very like that in a lot of ways. And that's my personal favorite. So I I am going to take this recommendation very personally, Ricardo. I'm gonna go get some of that. It's wonderful. And if anyone out there listening, please check out Outer World. It's such a fun, just fantastic fantastic game two solid video game recommendations this week uh both very different one of them is the most conglomerated star wars thing ever and the other is just like almost indie feeling at this point since obsidian has been kind of on the the down and out for a while but this is this is the comeback and they're both space games weirdly enough oh yeah first person space games all right well check it out if you got a if you got a playstation I don't know if it's for Xbox, but whatever. If you got games, check it out. It's it's wonderful. So that's our show today. If you want to contact us, we are at PCR underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to shoot us an email, that's popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. And ooh, Garrett does this usually. I'm not this <laughs> I'm not as good at it. You know, listen to us on Spotify. Uh Apple Podcast, drop us a review. If you're on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and a subscribe, and we will be back with more content next week. If you missed Garrett and he's your favorite part of the show, email email us. Tell us about it. Give us your Garrett opinions. Yeah, let us know, because that's actually what I what I need right now. That's what Garrett needs. Give us your Garrett impressions. Videos only, please. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to put this out there. Send us your Garrett impressions. Best one. I'm going to give him $5. (laughs) He will Venmo you. That is no joke. That is not. I'm serious. Garrett is going to get weird videos like, what the hell? Like, I didn't ask for this. People are just dogging on me. Oh, yeah. Don't send them to me. Send them directly to Garrett. (laughs) If we hear about it through Garrett, then you win. Guaranteed. All right, until next week, adios, amigos. Bye-bye, everybody.